Welcome to Living Fullness, a podcast where two unusual friends explore all things friendships, relationships, and the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And I'm Father Sean Burns. And each month, we bring you a guest, someone who will share their experience and strengths with us, helping us to learn, grow, and live life to the full. This week's episode of Living Fullness. As always, we have rather interesting guests on this podcast, and this week's episode is not going to let you down. So, Padre, would you like to introduce our guest to us this week? Yes, yes, it'd be great. So, uh, uh, our guest today is 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 Dr. Peter McGregor, uh, and uh, Peter is is actually Peter's a lecturer of mine. Peter's taught me most of my. <laughs> For a lot of my my postgrad, uh, uh, Peter has taught me so. Uh, thank you for bearing with me because that I'm certain isn't very easy at all. So, <laughs> um, um, so uh, Peter has has over thirty years experience in um, uh, evangelization and catechesis and religious education. Um, he presently teaches at the Catholic Institute of Sydney, uh, and uh, he's a member of the. Emmanuel community in Sydney, and uh, which is a community of lay people and priests and consecrated people within the Catholic Church. And uh, as a member of this community, he's been involved in uh, a great many evangelistic outreaches, prayer meetings, parish missions, mercy nights, uh, youth outreaches. And uh, uh, currently, uh, Peter serves as a spiritual and theological formation provider to Emmanuel community members. And uh, Peter is married to Mary and has two children. Uh, so, uh, Peter, thank you for uh, for joining us, and uh, we uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you with us. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Father Sean and Stina. So, I know Father Sean quite well, uh, and you're no trouble at all. Really. <laughs> you should you shouldn't be so deprecating. And it's very I'm very pleased to meet Stina who whom I've heard quite a lot about. And so it's a really great opportunity for me to uh, to meet her as well. I'm delighted to have you here. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. So just briefly, would you be able to talk to us about your faith journey, about your your um, uh, sort of your relationship with Jesus and how you've come to a, a place that you're at okay. now? So I can do that. So um, I'm the eldest of six children uh, born into or baptised into the faith when I was about two weeks old. Uh, if you want to go right back to the beginning. So product <laughs> of 13 years of Catholic schooling, you know, like primary school and secondary school. Uh, and, you know, my, we, we were a, a practising family. You know, my parents took me to, to Mass every Sunday and obviously sent us to Catholic schools. Mm. And I was taught all about the faith there, although I must say, you know, most of it, I got in primary school because by the time we got into secondary school, it was the 1970s, and um, they didn't. I can't remember them teaching me very much at all at that stage. Uh, so whatever stuck stuck from primary school, and um, you mm. know, I, I was just someone as a teenager, someone who believed the teaching, believed the doctrine, because really I lived in a little Catholic world. I didn't know any any different. Um, so, and so I never actually got to the stage of having any questions about what I believed but 
now looking back, I can see that, you know, up until probably the year after I left high school that I was really, um, I believed in the doctrine, but so faith was in doctrine, faith was in teaching, but faith was not Mm. so much, you know, a trusting faith, a trusting faith in God. So, and it was really only after I left school that that started to happen. It, it really happened through, I, I was a great reader and, and uh, reading a book on Our Lady of Fatima, okay, and that actually, um, for the first time I actually got the idea that, um, I suppose, you know, we talked about, you know, imperfect and perfect contrition and things like that and, you know, you're sorry for your sins because you're afraid of punishment or you're sorry for your sins because they offend God. You know, and that, that book really introduced me to that idea of, um, you know, sorrow for sins because they're against the goodness of God. So that was kind of like a, I suppose that's this first stage, I suppose, of really understanding what repentance is about, uh, to like turn the importance mm. of turning away from sin um, and not just out of fear of going to hell or anything like that. So after that, um, I, I, I started, I said in the book, you should start to, you should pray the rosary. So that's what I started doing used to pray the rosary just once a day. But I was really, I still didn't know how to pray. It's just saying the prayers, you know, like I knew how to say the prayers, but I didn't know how to pray, which is unfortunately, you know, 13 years of Catholic schooling taught me how to yeah. say prayers. Mm. Didn't Nobody taught me yep. really yeah. how to pray, you know. Um, so I still didn't know how to pray, but then, then it was through um, through circumstances which I didn't plan coming into contact with, uh, the charismatic renewal in um, you know so now we're in the sort of late seventies now and um, really discovering there that that God is real you know and and through the the mm. gift of the Holy Spirit we can actually not just know about God but that we can know God mm. so you know that was mm. kind of like mm. now and that, that's when I started to really um, you know have faith in God and not just faith in the in the teaching of the church if you know what I mean. So believe, you know, I think sure, a lot of sure. Catholics talk about the faith, which is good, um, but they don't talk about, you know, I believe in the faith or I believe in the church, but actually we believe in Jesus Christ. Right. You know, he's the one right. we believe in and all the rest yeah. flows from that or should flow from that. Yes. So that was kind of like my initial, I suppose you call it repentance and conversion. And, of course, I, I immediately became a saint. <laughs> no. <it didn't. laughs> oh, welcome to the club. <laughs> no, 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 no. Still, well, still, really if it, not. If it gets me really a higher mark on really the next, not doing a great job there. I, mean, I'm try, I feel like I'm, there's been slow, there's been incremental growth, but uh, now my ears are burning. I feel a bit embarrassed, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, over time, I became, I was involved in charismatic renewal, and then I was involved in a, in a different uh, charismatic community initially, and really felt a desire to um and this is where i suppose this this question of truth comes in that you we're going to talk about that you know i got very interested in apologetics to start with you know really how to how to explain the faith and defend the faith uh, my attitude to apologetics has changed over you know since then uh i'm feeling a lot more i'm actually a lot more less argumentative and and um i think i rather i'd rather dialogue than debate with people if I can and mm. you know it's you know ask questions of people and really find out what they believe and why they believe it and then you've got a chance to really talk about what you believe um so then what happened so I mean you know here I am 
doctor of you know Dr. Peter McGregor teaching at CIS, but really I'm I'm when it comes to theology I'm um, you know a slow starter, a late bloomer, because um, you know I didn't didn't actually receive my doctorate until uh, I think 2014. So it's not not been very long. Before that, I was involved in I was different times. I was, I was a Catholic school teacher. I was teaching religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was involved in adult faith education in various ways. Um, yeah, and you know, with but also with a, a desire to evangelise, but sometimes not doing a very good job of it, not really knowing how to. Um, so hopefully, I've learned a bit about that as well. Um, and for the past oh, about how long is it now? The over 20 years now, I've been a member of the Emmanuel community, which uh, is in Sydney and, and Melbourne, mostly in Australia, but it's an international community it's all around the world. It started mm. in France in 1972, and um, it's, um, you know, based, basically based on, on living out of three graces, which is adoration, compassion, and evangelization. And the three graces are related. So um, adoration, like being with the Lord in prayer, um, if we do that, you know, we begin to take on his heart. Our, our heart is really transformed to be like his heart. And so his heart is a compassionate heart. And so we, we can ha- hopefully have more compassion for people for, for all their needs, not just their spiritual needs and, the, and all their needs as well, you know, material and emotional, whatever it might be, the need for friendship, whatever. Um, and, of course, the greatest need that, that, that people have is to know the Lord. So hence evangelization. The greatest act of compassion that you can have for a person is to really uh, share your faith in in, the, in Christ and um, be a witness to, to him. Um, so the community is made up of, um, you know, people of all states of life like priests and people in consecrated life and uh, most, most people are lay people uh, and from those, you know, Married people with families and single people and all you know, just everyone becomes everyone. Um, yeah, so being mm. in the being in the in the community has really helped me, uh, hopefully, to grow in in knowing and loving the Lord and uh, hopefully, you know, loving mm. other people more as well. Um, so I only came, you know, yeah. I only came to, you know, my, my theological education was very gradual and part time, and while I was doing other things and. You know, eventually, um, uh, actually, it's a it's a it's a joint episode, because, not episode. It's a joint uh, effort because I was able to study my doctorate full time because my wife worked full time, and she said, you, "You can do this. I'll work full time, and you can go and get it." And so I did. And then in 2016, I came to work at um, the Catholic Institute of Sydney, and you know, mm. very very happy with the work I'm I'm able to do there. Yeah, yeah. As a recipient of that work, I'm I'm pretty happy too. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. So the vote of confidence yes. is appreciated. And sometimes he says things that are useful. So you know, thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, gems from Christology class or Ratzinger oh, class right, come okay, tumbling okay. out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess just to sort of jump into. Um, into the theme if you like the topic of today's conversation part of what we're doing here for the next couple of episodes that we have with our guests is to really start to unpack and to understand what padre and i talk about at the end of every episode truth beauty and goodness um so we would love for you peter to be able to help us sort of 
begin to to dialogue in that space on one of those things and that being truth so can you tell us a little bit about what how you would define truth and how we can identify if we've actually encountered truth. Oh, I'm glad you're starting with the easy questions first. <laughs> Sorry, it's what we do. <laughs> All right, okay. So just to maybe with the transcendentals, truth, goodness and beauty, I mean, they're, they're I suppose you call them aspects of being. That, um, and, um, yeah, so I'm glad you're not getting me to talk about them, like, you know, really talk about the transcendentals because I'm not... <laughs> You know, okay. I wouldn't feel like I'm a real expert on that, but that's essentially what they are. Uh, when it comes to truth, so your first question is, what is truth? Well, that's Pilate's question, isn't it? What is truth? Right. You know, and it's, and, and it's a question that a lot of people are asking nowadays and with the same sort of cynicism that, that mm. Pilate, you know, posed that question. It's really a rhetorical question. He says, well, truth is whatever you want it to be, really. He's not impressed mm. with, with Jesus saying that... that um, you know, he's come to bear witness to the truth, okay? So it's Pilate's question. It's the question of a lot of people nowadays, you know, um, what is truth? And a lot of people think, well, we, you know, we can't know absolute truth. We can't know what the truth is. You have your truth. I have my truth and that kind of thing. And I think I'd, I'd like to, we can come back to relativism a bit later on. That'd be really great. But, you know, Jesus says that he is the truth. You know, mm. not just I will show you the truth, I will teach you the truth. He does say, you know, talk about his words being true. But he says this, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life, which is really a startling statement in um, in John's gospel. And it always reminds me that I think about all the I am statements in John's gospel. I am the gate, I am the sheepfold, I am the good shepherd. I go to the sheepfold, I am the good shepherd, you know. Uh, etc. There's quite a number of them. Of course, the great I am statement is before Abraham was I am. Mm. And I often wonder if mm. those, all those statements are related, that the I am part is not just coincidental, you know, that it's all related to his, his um, divinity. So he says, I am the truth, which means that, you know, to know the truth means to know him. If you want to know the truth, you, know, you need to know him. And he, I think he's the truth in two ways. He's the truth about God. And he's the truth about us, human beings. You know, if you want to know, he says, you know, just poor, poor old Philip is getting a bit exasperated. You know, they could keep talking to the father, the father, the father. Well, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. He says, I often think Jesus must have, a, he could have had a bit of a smile on his face when he said this, Philip, have you been, have I been with you all this time and you still don't know me? You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You know, how can you say, show us the Father? You know, because don't you, don't you believe that I'm the Father and the Father's in me? So to know Jesus is to know the truth about God, but also the truth about who we are, because he's not just fully God, but he's fully man as well. Okay, and this is what, you know, there's a great um, statement in Gaudium et Spes number 22, that, that, which John Paul really took up in his encyclical, first encyclical, Redemptor, hominus you know that um in jesus you know he reveals to us the fullness of what it means to be human okay um so i suppose that's the that's the sh is that is that kind of like the kind of answer you're looking for, for what yes yes i mean there's, there's there's two things firstly we we wouldn't expect a theologian to give a, phil a, a philosopher's answer <laughs> in the sense that it's 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 you know it's <laughs> we but also You've, you've kind of successfully 
answered it insofar as you said, well, the better question is, is, is who is the truth? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, um, because I mean, if we say what is truth, well, it's, it's, it's about as philosophically dry as saying whatever accords in reality, you know, if, I, if my mind accords with what is in front of me, then that is, then that is true. Right, but that's, right. that's, that's a fairly dry answer. And it's, it's, it's an answer which certainly doesn't reach to the human heart. <laughs> yeah, but um, some, at least not in my estimation. Yeah. But some people really want, are really interested in the truth. And I know that um, there's a father, Benedict Rochelle, mm. who, was mm. part of the, the Franciscan Friars of Renewal, and he's he's also, uh, I think, a psychologist as well. And he said mm. that, um, you know, the three, three, transcendentals, three transcendentals of goodness, truth and beauty, that uh, everyone desires all three, but that particular people can have a particular attraction or desire to one of them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that mm. they, you know, they'd have no interest at all in the others. But you know, some some people can be particularly concerned with um, with beauty or with goodness. But some, then you get these people that really are keen on truth. You know, they want to know the truth. Um, I, I would say I'm more that first kind of person, um, but I don't think I'm impervious to goodness and beauty. Uh, and you know, for some to bring in someone who's very very prominent nowadays, I think someone like Jordan Peterson, for example, mm-hmm. is very concerned about what's true yeah that he's a true mm. he's a truth seeker yes. and that's what drives him yes you know so you so you get you can get uh, it's like maybe, maybe it's a bit like temperaments you know people have different temperaments mm. and they, but uh, it's not like they're just all choleric and nothing else well hopefully not <laughs> um, but yeah. but uh yeah yeah but, yeah but there tends to be you know there's a sort of there's a certain mix or balance to people's temperaments and i say so, i think the same here that you know, I think, for example, that um, someone like Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict uh, Emeritus, uh, is the transcendental that really moves him as beauty. You know, mm. I think that's, and you get someone like Hans Urs von Balthasar. I think, I think that's the same case with him. So, you know, you might go around, you can go around profiling people now. So, which <laughs> transcendental is your favourite <laughs> transcendental? <laughs> Truth, goodness, beauty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for that. That's that's great. Um, in a, in another uh, sort of bringing something up that you said earlier, just to circle back to it, sort of made the point that there's a, a tendency. I call it a modern tendency, but as as far as modern tendencies go, it's been with us for a very long time. Um, to to say my truth and your truth, and right, to distinguish right. it. You know, from 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 any notion of the truth, there's 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 only my truth and 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 your truth. In, in, in a relativistic culture, what are the challenges that we face in coming to know and communicate the truth? Okay, well, I think where I start is that most I think relativists are generally only relatively relativists, if I can put it mm. that way. They're not relatives about everything. Mm. Yeah. You know, for example, they'll be they'll be, you know, they might be quite you know, with mathematics or the empirical sciences, you know, what the experiment shows is the true and that kind of truth and that kind of thing. Uh, and even when it comes to um, morality, they're only relative relativists, and they're not relativistic about everything. 
I find you know there's very few people who are relativistics about about the um, was it the seventh commandment? Thou shalt not steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. very very few. I mean, there are people who are moral relativists when it comes to thou shalt not steal, and we normally call them thieves and robbers. You know. Uh, they're moral relativists there, but for most people, at least in what they say, no, it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to bear false witness. It's wrong to, um, to um, you know, tell lies about people. So it's mm. when it comes to moral relativism, I think it's mainly about uh, life, death, and sex that people are mm. relativistic about in, in their morality. So only the big and things, not about really. Everything. Well, yeah, but it's also about the. Th- it's about what they want to do, mm. I think. Mm. So I think that we human beings are masters of self-deception. If we really want to do something, <laughs> we can convince ourselves in all sorts of ways True. that what we want to do is there's nothing wrong with it or at least not something not very wrong with it or we're justified in what we're doing or other people are worse than we are. They do this, they do even worse things. As people you know, rationalise their behaviour. You know, that's very, mm. you know, lots of people do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so when it comes to relativism, I think that's the kind of relativism we're dealing with. Although I know in a lot of you know, what's called sort of postmodern theology, that there's a lot of it which really casts doubts on our ability to know anything with, with, with certainty, mm. you know. But even, even there, I think that ultimately goes back to moral questions because um, I think some, there are some people and some even some Catholic theologians seem determined to say we can't really know anything very much. All our knowledge is indeterminate, indefinite, including our knowledge about God. God is the great other and unknown. And what, even what we think we know about him keeps changing. So, But I, th- I think that what that facilitates is uh, idolatry because if we, t- if we think that about God, but we can't really know God, then that kind of leaves us a free hand to manufacture our, our own golden calf in place mm. of God. We can manufacture yeah. our own God who's more to our liking and more agrees with us and doesn't make too many demands on us, thinks the way we think. And, of course, mm. all idolatry ultimately is a, a kind of self-worship because we control the God, we make the God, we determine what the God can teach, and what the God can do. So I, I think that when you dig deep down, um, and the two are kind of related, the, you know, like you think about in the Old Testament, the two great sins that the prophets are always, go, always going on about are idolatry and oppression of the weak. Mm. Those are the two big ones. And I think they're related. You can, you can construct a false God he doesn't. He's not so worried about how you oppress the weak, you know. Mm. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'll I like off. that. I like. No, no, no. That's it's it's brilliant. Um, it um, it reminds me of the when you talk about the golden calf. Um, there's the you know in 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 scripture when Aaron makes the golden calf, and and, and Moses' excuse, and I'm not Moses, sorry, Aaron's excuse, and I'm being a little bit. I'm probably being a little bit playful with scripture here, but you know, Aaron, Aaron's excuse is essentially, oh well, I just I just threw the gold in there and 
a calf came out. It wasn't me, I swear. They, <laughs> and they made me do it. Mm. Yes. You know, yes, I didn't exactly. have a choice, you know, too much yes. pressure. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so no, I think that's, that's, that's very, um, it's very sort of, of, uh, it's, it's, it's well put about relativism. One of the things that, um, that it brings up too is, is Benedict's remarks. Um, I think it was Benedict anyway, who talked about, uh, the dictatorship of relativism. Right, right. Could you talk to that a little bit? Uh... Okay, dictatorship of relativism. I think that, well, if pe people don't want to be challenged about what they believe. Mm. Um, and so, well, I think you can see it, it. It's easy to see it in practically working out, you know, like rather than explain what it is. that. So with the dictatorship of relativism, um, that becomes the new orthodoxy. And if you mm. challenge that orthodoxy, well, you're 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 um, probably you're a hater. Okay, yeah. you know you hate us. Whereas I try to say, no, I don't hate you. I just disagree with mm. you. It's not the same mm. thing. In fact, disagreeing with someone could be a sign that you love them. Yeah. Because you you're mm. seeing that you don't. They're going down a, a path that's going to end a disaster for them. Yeah. So, so I think that. Um, yeah, dictatorship. Of, I, you can see it in operation. You know, more and more. Yes. The whole, the whole yes. Agreed. The whole cancel culture is an expression yep. of this dictatorship of relativism. Yeah. You know, we're not even going to mm. argue with you. We're just going to no, shut no. you down. And uh, but a sense if if um look I want to but also what I think is that we're moving out of the definitely moving out of the age of reason, so called age of reason into the age mm. of emotion, mm. you know, so that it's not what I, so this makes it makes arguing difficult with people, even de debating or discussing with people because it doesn't matter about arguments. It yeah. matters how, how yeah. do I feel, you know, right. what, what I feel is real. That determines reality. You know, what I feel yes. is the truth. You know, if I feel like I'm a woman, then I am a woman. You know, right, right. It's not, it's, it, it, regardless of what kind of, what my bodily reality is. Okay, that's the truth for me. And, you know, I think that it's kind of like, it's a part of the, the, the fragmentation of the human person. That we, you know, people are, there's this new kind of radical dualism now where, you know, uh, whereas the Christian understanding is that we're psychosomatic unities, body and soul. That's what mm. it means to be human. Uh, now, for a lot of people, it seems like the body is kind of like an appendage of the self. You know, it's right. not really the body that's me. And that's something that mm. if, 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 this, if I don't feel right about my body, then it's the body's problem. It's not, it's not the psyche's problem. Right. You know? right. And I can do something uh, about that. I, can, I can do something about some that. I can have hormones or I can have surgery or I can, right. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, it's almost like the body is my my body is my enemy, mm. you know, and it comes out in all sorts of ways. It comes out with contraception. My body is my enemy, you know. Yes, my, I've got to I've got to alter my body, 
you know i've got to i've got to treat fertility like a disease i take a pill to cure it yeah yeah you know? um mm. so i don't am i rambling i don't know <laughs> No, um, no, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you're it's kind of like, it's good. I think it's kind of like, and the it's partly, I think, because, you know, like the 19th, 18th and 19th centuries were the age of rationality and the emotions mm. didn't really count that much. It's almost like the emotions are having their revenge. Well, it's you know? interesting. It's the yeah. emotions now interesting. that count. Well, I've just been sitting here thinking about that and I thought, you know, if, if I had someone present and who was originally using reason, talking through what was happening and then became very emotional and wasn't able to step out of that emotional space and it became a behavioral change that happened that to me developmentally says regression it doesn't say moving oh, on to something okay. else it actually says regressing backwards so it's it's almost for me like we're walking through this space now hearing you talk that we're actually regressing and not maturing on even though it's yeah. coming I, across as a well, I think, maturation. I think, of it, I think of it kind of a fragmentation. It's something that's been going on for a long time, mm. for centuries actually, you know, with, with the um, – and you basically get a division. You've got, you know, is it our wills that make us human? Is it our reason that make us human? Is it our emotions that make us human? What, what's, what's most important? And yeah. not yeah. all three together, but they're at war with each other. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Yeah. I sometimes I'm thinking now part of the, the, the church's job in proclaiming the gospel is not just the, the good news about Jesus Christ, but the good news about human um, integration. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, the good, new, the good mm. news about reason, the good news about reason and will and, and emotion all kind of being integrated together. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like we're taking as a part, it's kind of like an well an addendum to the gospel almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter. You've probably got time for one last yeah. question, yeah. I think. What might be some ways, Peter, that you can think of where we can actively look for, um, look for the truth in our world, look for, you know, we spoke a little bit before you spoke a little bit before about truth being a person. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. where, can, where can we actively pursue truth in our modern world, which is so fast-paced and so social media heavy? Um, where, where can we sort of begin that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. How, maybe I'll, I'll try and maybe just I, I personalise it. Mm. And um, I think, you know, it's not enough to know the truth. We have to live the truth. Uh it's not enough to tell people about the truth, but you have to show them the truth in, in the way that we live. And I think that's a, a big part of evangelization. And, but also we don't do it individually. We do it together as well. Mm. So it's, it's not the witness of um, individuals, you know, just operating on their own. It's, the, it's, the, the, it's a corporate witness. And actually I, I had a recent experience of this. Um, I like... Uh, not last week and the weekend before, I went to a um, a wedding, a really wonderful wedding and reception, and um, um, it was just phenomenal, you know, because there are two two people uh, have both have a, having a deep faith, mm -hmm. loving the Lord, and determined to make them, their marriage, you know, um, in His image, you know, so. But at the wedding, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of people 
you know, particularly from one side of the family who are not believers. And, um, but a lot of people from one side of the family that are, and of course a lot of the people who are in the Emmanuel community and so that a lot of community people at the wedding. And it was just astonishing. You know, the music was, was so wonderful. The, way, the priest who preached was so joyful uh, and was really preached good homily yeah. too. Uh, and then um, just the whole witness of the, um, of, of the couple and how they, you know, what they did at the wedding. And I, and I heard, you know, different people who were, were not um, religious at all, not, not really Christian at all, were just uh, overwhelmed by it. You know, it was just so, they thought it was so wonderful. And at the the reception, again, I was just thinking of all the people there and even all the staff that were looking after the place. And I can imagine what sort of receptions they're sometimes looking after, which are pretty, you know, uh, just just this side of an orgy just about. Mm. Um, But certainly not, not, you know, not very edifying. But everything about it, the, the speeches, the what was said about the people was so upbuilding and so mm. positive and so beautiful that it would be hard for me to imagine the people, you know, who were just there and were not Christian uh, realise that there's something different going on here. Right. You know, whatever it is, you know, that's just not, we, we, and this is mm. not what we normally see, you know. And I think yeah. so that's what I mean about the witness and about living the truth, you know, Living the truth, but not just individually. We're living the truth together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and you know, li- living the truth in the way we we love each other and forgive each other and work together and go on mission together as well. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I think people nowadays you've, we've got to sh- we've got to show people before they'd be willing to listen um, to us. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. fair, yeah. fair. Yep, yep. Thank you. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your uh, for your, your your being here with us today and for helping us to get a bit of an insight into who the truth is and how we can find that truth and how we can express that truth. So thank you so much for Well, that. thank you very much. Um, I, I was a little bit worried that I'd sort of freeze up and I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've had the opposite problem, actually. But uh, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for me to to, to go on a, on my all my hobby horses. Really great. No, that's 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 what yeah. we love. We love to, to 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 hear people talk about exactly. the things that they love. So that's exactly. that's uh, yeah. This, that's this great. is how you that's bear great. witness. So this is yeah. Right. right. That's, yeah. This is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, we do have a question. We'd love to be able to ask you regarding dialoguing with other faiths, and we'll do that in the Patreon section of um, this particular episode. So for those of you who want to join us for that continued conversation, make sure you sign up to one of the higher tiers on Patreon to be able to partake in that conversation. So before we end, um, every episode, Peter, we end with a set of rapid fire questions that are just light and fun questions that we ask our guests. Oh, so no. just a few <laughs> questions for you to just sort of answer whatever comes to mind first of all. Just react, don't think. Pretty much. That's right. <laughs> right, okay, okay. The very first question for you, Peter, is tea or coffee? No, no. It used to be coffee. No, it used to be tea, now it's coffee. Okay. <laughs> There you go. We, we, we have, we have I, a convert. Oh. I'm, very, I'm, I'm very ecumenical when it comes to tea and coffee. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, uh, who is your favourite saint? Uh, 
It's really hard to say that I have a favourite. There are so many. Um, I don't know. Different times have been different people. Very early on, it was some friends of Assisi. You know, it was probably my favourite. Um, later on, you know, I really learnt more about St Dominic. Uh, at the moment, one person I really am, find myself drawn to is St Bonaventure. Oh. Actually. Mm. And that's a really interesting. I, I was, now, if you ever get any of his prayers, one of his prayers, like it was really interesting, like just to, by way of comparison, like there's a, there's a prayer of St Thomas Aquinas, um, like a prayer after Mass, and it's really mm-hmm. calm and serene and that kind of thing. It's a lovely prayer, okay. There's a, the Bonaventure's got a prayer after Mass too, and it's kind of like, it's just ecstatic, you know, this prayer after Mass, you know. And so it's like the, there's yeah. a kind of, I mean, I love Thomas too, but, but uh, something about Bonaventure that, that I really want to learn more about him oh. and re, really learn more about yeah. his, his theology as well. So, Beautiful. you know. Yeah. But I have lots yeah. of favourites. So. <laughs> it's, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Well, this next one's another favourite question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what is your favourite work from Ratzinger? I'll say, I'll say the, mo- the, the, the work that affected me most, well, that's okay to say favourite, so far is a little book called Behold the Pierced One, Ooh. which yeah. is on his spiritual Christology, which is what I did, basically what I did my doctorate on. Okay. So, mm. but again, I mean, it's like I, I sometimes so think, much. you know, reading, reading Ratzering <laughs> is like going to Babette's Feast, if you know that movie. Babette's Feast? No. At all? I feel like we've heard Doctor yeah, Matthew yeah, Tan a, talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's thesis about anyway. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's about this 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 French woman who puts on this phenomenal feast for these people who are very very um, ascetical, but not in a, not in a good way. Okay, you know, and it's really mm. a, a kind of a revelation to them. Uh, so it's a, like a it's like a feast, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with Ratzinger. I find, and see with yeah. Ratzinger, you get with Ratzinger, you get two for the price of one. <laughs> you get. You get your theological reading and your spiritual reading at the same time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's good. Um, what do you love most about being a teacher? Oh, gosh, what I love most about it. Um, I mean, the, what's most important for me as a teacher is to see the students improving in their understanding. So. I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes you, you know, there are students, you get brilliant students. I've, I've, you know, sometimes you teach students that are smarter than you are, you know, definitely, that happens. Um, at least in terms of the raw, raw intellectual talent, if you call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's great to have students who are high distinction students in your class. But what I like more, what, what's, what's more important to me is to see a student moving from, being a past student to a credit student or moving from a credit student being a distinction student, you know, to see them really yeah. uh, really growing in the, the, what they understand and their ability to, cool. um, to communicate it as well, explain what they understand. So I think that's the thing that I would, you know, see a student really developing and sometimes from quite a, you know, maybe not a very good um or sometimes the students and they haven't done much study, you know, and it's all very new to them and they can get a bit, feel a bit lost. And, but to see them, mm. you know, maybe over, even over the whole course of their degree, 
to see them really growing in their understanding and doing better and better and better is I think yeah. the, the greatest thing to see. Mm. Wonderful. Um, second last question for you. What is one thing people misunderstand about you? <laughs> one thing. Well, this is something uh, it doesn't happen so much now, but it used to happen quite a lot when I was younger. People would come up to me. I'd just be sort of sitting and thinking about something. And people would come up to me and, and would say, Peter, what's wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> And apparently when I was thinking about something quite a lot, because I, I, kind of, I can be quite focused, you know, like a one, like people would talk to me. My family would even play tricks on me and they'd, they'd say crazy things and I wouldn't hear them because I was thinking about something, you know. Uh, you know, Peter, your, head, your pants are on fire, something like that. You know? But um, that apparently I, I get this really almost a frowning look on my face oh. when I'm thinking about something serious. So I was fine. So I'm yeah. fine. I'm just thinking about yeah. something. I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know, but it hasn't happened recently. So I don't know. Maybe I don't have that. Maybe I don't have that look on my face anymore. I don't know. That's, that's it. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. The very last question. Have you met Ratzinger yet? No, 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 I haven't. And Tracy Rowland has, and I'm a little oh. bit um, envious, but... <laughs> Uh, I do have a Christmas card from him, oh, because, wow. which I, fra I framed it and put it on my my wall in my my um, room, my office. Because uh, when I when I finished my doctorate, I sent him a copy, oh. and he wrote me back a Christmas card saying, "Thank you for your great book." <laughs> so, oh, awesome! That's, that's, that's awesome. That's the closest. That's the closest contact I've had oh. with him. So you know, and I'm not at. You know, wow. I'm not expecting to meet him, but it would, you know, be wonderful. It'd be pretty it. awesome. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, still very beautiful that you've received a communication <laughs> from him. That's that's I know. that's pretty and cool. His tiny little hand. His writing is really <laughs> tiny and really hard to read. Oh. oh, bless him. Well, Peter, thank you for joining us, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on and hearing you share your experience and your knowledge with us. So. Uh, uh, and uh, if you're uh, if you're subscribed to Patreon, uh, make sure you head on over to the Patreon section to hear uh, a bit more from Peter. And if you're not subscribed to Patreon, well, that's a good reason <laughs> to become subscribed to Patreon. Uh, so uh, so please uh, um, head on over and uh, and catch this next conversation. Uh, but uh, Peter, thank you again. Well, thank you for this. It hasn't been too traumatic. I'm no, quite it's been a lot. That's good. It's been great. It's yeah. been great. Uh, and this brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah. So, so thanks so much for everyone for joining for this week's episode. We will catch you next month with another guest. But until then, know about love and praise. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode, there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone? Perhaps it will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That will also help others to find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook. Facebook.